0: As we're seated, let's just continue on in prayer and just stay for a moment of Children's Church and all that just stay. But we recognize that the truths that we spoke, that we just sang, are not merely for us, they were words from your mission to the world that we are to be a part of. Lord, we recognize that this past week in our 40 days of, of prayer, our time where we looked at your word, where we prayed, that we were praying for a reawakening to the mission of you, Jesus. of that mission that we just sang. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would identify any areas of our life that are a hindrance to pointing people to Jesus. Just as we prayed earlier this week, at least for some. We know we're not to be like the world, but in the world, help us in those areas where we have withdrawn. It's so hard with All that's happened with COVID and so many other things that others have withdrawn. But Lord, give us the courage to come out of hiding, so to speak. For us, the salt to get out of the salt shaker. In all of this, we need a hunger and a thirst for you. in such a way that you are our daily satisfaction. Or show us where our life needs to be aligned so that we can co-labor with you being fishers of men. And forgive us for those opportunities that we've missed. Some, we just weren't looking. Others, we just avoided to show your love and your kindness. Holy Spirit, give us your eyes to see the hurting people. Give us your heart to care like you do. Help us to live as a testimony to your goodness. We ask that you would strengthen not just our church family, but the alliance in general to pray faithfully and to bring the good news, the gospel of the kingdom to all nations, to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, to our Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Help us to truly exhibit the reality of you, Jesus, to a changed life. To a life that stands out in love. And Lord it all we sing about within this place here, we do not want it just to be about here and somehow be just religion for ourselves. But that we would take these truths of which we sing, of which we talk, and as we walk out these doors, Lord, we pray uh, that you would give us a divine appointment. Each of us give us divine appointments this week that we did not see, that we did not plan, but you have planned where you'll give us the opportunity to have life-giving conversations with others. Move within us and in us for what you have not only called us to be, but why we're still here. And not with you right now in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. That you did so love the world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, before we... Uh, get to the message i just want to it's in a sense it is an announcement but it's more than announcement because it's really about our discipleship and that deals with our uh what i was just praying prayers from the 40-day devotional that we've had uh, along with the alliance and uh it is getting ready uh, next week we're uh, obviously going into one more in a sense part of the week it is almost over as we reawaken to the Uh, return of christ but it is pretty much going to be over next by next thursday in these 40 days now we could just say okay well it's over we did that now because uh i don't know that any of us can say we've arrived either as individuals or as a church as it deals with these kinds of things as it deals with prayer as it deals with just our time with the lord And so really throughout this whole year, we are wanting to encourage us to get into God's word on a regular basis and to enter into God's presence more consistently in prayer. Let alone the fact that if we are going to see God do what he wants to do not just in us, but in this community, in this valley being changed, then it's going to happen through prayer. Through prayer together. But our corporate prayer together will not be any stronger than our individual prayer. So we need to grow. So I just want to encourage, I know many of us have uh, different devotionals or times that we spend with the Lord and different things we do. But I also want to encourage us just to, to notch it up a bit, it does not going to take a lot. It didn't take a lot to do this 40 days. It's not going to take a lot to do the next one that will begin next Thursday. It's not going to take a lot of extra on your part, but what it will do is it will create a sense where we're all on the same page. We're praying the same thing. We're looking at the same thing and, and trying to get together on this. But it will also help because I know that there are a number of you Who even though you know the word of God, you also know that you're not really being consistent with him in your relationship, in your times with him. Not in the way that you'd like, maybe not even in the way you used to be. And so we want to help, encourage you to, to get with that. And so one of the ways to do that is not only engaging in these devotionals as we go through this year. But one of the ways to do that is to engage in the conversations we have with one another. Right now, uh, we've been having it on through the churchcenter.com. We say the church app, but the, uh, where there's a group and kind of interacting with one another. This next thing that you saw in your newsletter uh, that's coming up is about prayer as well. And it's going to be through the You version of the Bible. You don't have to have that as an app on your phone. You, can ju- you do have to get it on your computer uh, but in some kind of digital way, and again, looking at prayer, having things that would not just be a devotional but scripture, getting into scripture, a lot of scripture that 's there, as well as a time to just reflect and to have some questions to ask yourself and then there 's a place where you can just what are your thoughts and we share them with one another. So that link is on the, uh, is there in the email. Uh, that it was sent out as a church newsletter. There is a link there. You would click on that, and you will. it will say, Pastor Tim has invited you to join him, you know, in an adventure, in a journey. I don't know that it really says that. But in a sense, we are on a journey together with one another through God's Word and through prayer. And uh, I just want to encourage you to, and I know sometimes you're like, oh, uh, give it a shot, you know. Sometimes interacting with others and not to, you don't have to say something every day kind of thing. But, you know, how is God speaking to you? How can we encourage one another, even in this way, to get deeper in our relationship with God? Because sometimes we need one another in this. And let's face it, God wants us to have a unity of one another that will accomplish what he wants. So uh, that's not the sermon uh, that is just a... Uh, but it is kind of a challenge and an encouragement, uh, which is part of what the sermon's about. A challenge for us joined join together in this. I know we've done it. We we've got This next one is just 21 days. You know, try for 21 days. Uh, Being a part of that. And and then after that, we're going to go to Seek God for the City, which we've done a number a number of years. You've you've gotten whether the app or you've gotten the book list, and we will have those for you Uh, um, as it gets in March there, as we begin in March. Really wanting God to move, not just to keep things the way they've always been, not just to keep our religious or our spiritual life at an acceptable level, but to go beyond so much more than he wants so uh with that said let's let's uh first of all dismiss children's the children's church and second of all look at first thessalonians chapter five Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong but always tries to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful, always pray, continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire, do not treat prophecies with contempt, test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. And may the God and may God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you, is faithful, and will do it. Let's pray. Father, as we come before your word, we want to hear from you. I pray that you'd help me to speak. Your words, but I know that you are able to speak beyond anything I say. And sometimes you speak in things that have absolutely nothing to do with what I'm saying. As we open ourselves to hear from you, as we look at your word. As we prepare to meet you in communion. So Lord, move as only you can move. Help us to hear this today, whichever side of the fence, so to speak, we may be on. And we give you all the glory for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's just get right to the title question. Is it ever right to tell someone they are wrong? No. Oh, and yes, Uh, and technically speaking, depending, I mean, it could be both yes and no, but technically speaking, I suppose the answer to this question, is it ever right to tell someone that they are wrong? The real answer is you're asking the wrong question. That's the real answer, is you're asking the wrong question. Don't worry, we're going to make it clear. We're going to make it clear as we look at God's Word, and not just today, but over a number of Sundays. In this passage here, there's still some we're going to cover next Sunday, and then even the next Sunday then, as we get in more detail on something that probably, I I just, maybe I should, I wasn't going to do that, but let me just say, how many of you have ever heard a sermon on what we're getting ready to talk about. Now, I'll hold, I just want you to think before I ask hands. Here's the thing. You recall that in January we began a new series, as you see there, the One Another series. A One Another series in which we, be, we, and that's going to go through this year, not whole year, but different times throughout this year, especially on Communion Sundays. And that in January, we began with encourage one another, even last week, talking about being a Barnabas, encouraging one another. It's definitely something that God has called us to do. But there is also a step beyond encouraging one another, and we see it here in the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we just read in verse 14, And we urge you, brothers, my version says, warn those who are idle. But the word there is admonish. Admonish those who are idle. And that admonishing means to warn, to advise of dangerous consequences ahead, especially in relation to a wrong action. To admonish is something stronger, more direct than just encouraging someone. It is more about how they are to walk in Christ. And it is God's plan for the church and for us, for one another. In fact, it is his command. Not just here is his command, but the command to one another. And that's why we see in that kind of the second beyond the title you see above here is admonishing one another. In fact, we see that specifically said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. As you admonish one another. Now, how many have heard a message about that you should and how you should admonish one another. I see two hands. Well, wait, no, there's three or four. You know, we usually encourage, but we don't talk about this. And unfortunately, because of that, we mess it up in so many different ways. I mean, let's face it, it's not like in the church today that we've got this Christianity stuff all down and we don't need a warning to stay on the path. In many ways, the times we're living in now is much like the times in the book of Judges where everyone does what is right in his own eyes. There are no absolutes, there's no right, there's no wrong. And therefore, it's not a surprise that we would have to challenge others to change, to even stop the road that they are on and turn around and get back on the Jesus way. That on occasion, we may have to go beyond just encouragement. Encouragement. Encouragement is at that base level. And we're going to look at the different, as we go on in the next weeks, look at the different phases, the different stages, so to speak. Encouragement is at the very foundation of everything. But there is beyond that to admonishment and even to rebuke. But to admonish someone, In some ways is to say something, It it, it, it let's face it, it's something hard to give. It, It may be hard for people to receive, but admonishing is also hard to give. So how do we do it? And as I've said, we've got a couple messages to come. So if there's something, because for some people this is a hot button topic, and if there's something I don't say today, why don't you wait till next week? Because I probably will say, and if there's something, I mean, if there's something that you really wanted to hear, wait till next week. But I guarantee you, probably next week there will also be something you don't want to hear. We want to be all that God wants us to be. He has set this up. He's told us, commanded us, called us to admonish one another. But what does that mean? What does that actually look like? And the very first thing that we need to admonish one another, what that means is that we need to go and speak to others out of love. As we've talked before about encouraging one another, it is so clear in the Word of God that we are responsible for our brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside, to minister to, to build up one another. It's our job to get into other people's business. What do you think about that? It is. It is. It's our job. I mean, why would he say admonish one another? That is getting into other people's business. Because we're family. So this question, is it ever right to tell someone they're wrong? In many ways, it's the wrong question. The reason I say that is because if we just boil down our responsibility to go and tell someone that they're wrong then we've missed the whole point of what admonishment is about. If it's just dealing with the wrong and there's no trying to make it right, there is no building up, there is no trying to restore, and ultimately not the love of God that expects us to have for one another. To admonish is not about punishment. At the most, to admonish is about discipline. And discipline by its very nature in the word means disciple. To disciple. Helping them to become mature in Christ. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 28, we read this. And, and you'll see, as I mentioned these scriptures, as I've mentioned before, you see those in the notes. Those these are all, so you're like, what did he say? It's in the notes. So make sure you grab that. Colossians 1. Verse 28, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Just like encouragement. We admonish. and It must come out of a heart of love, not merely coming out of a burden for truth. There needs to be a burden for that person. A burden that when we talk for them, a burden that when we talk with them, we're not just burning with anger, but we're burning with love. That wants to see them restored, that wants to see them renewed in Christ and on the right path. So when we speak to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. Yet if all we do is just point out the wrong and not in love be willing to help them with the right, then we are not part of the solution. We'll explore that further in in the next part, the stages and the different ways. But I should probably mention even as we begin this, even as we're talking about this, that there are times that out of love you do not say anything. You know, this whole question here. There are times that out of love you do not say anything. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Love covers a multitude of sins. Even in Proverbs where it talks about It is to a man's glory to overlook an offense. Love is willing. When we talk about love, uh, there are times that we just can overlook or not say anything. But let's never think that love is silent. Love is willing to risk uncomfortableness in a relationship, even rejection because of the concern we have for the other person, instead of just being concerned about ourselves in the relationship. So many times it's really we don't want to say something because we're really more concerned about ourselves. We're really more concerned about what they'll think of us. So are really more concerned that maybe they would somehow walk away or reject us. speak a word of exhortation admonishment even rebuke whatever it might be now obviously there are people who have uh, maybe we have some here they have no problem telling others like it is right you know people like that you don't have to raise your hand you know people speak the truth that they need to hear that's what it is except many times what is being done out of what is being done is not done out of love or at least not out of love for that person. I hear it all the time. Somewhere we've got this idea that we are supposed to speak out of love for the truth. And yet in that we neglect the first and second greatest commandments to love the Lord our God with everything in God and to love others. Those are our commands. Those are what we're to love. And with that love for God, obviously we love his truth. But primarily, it is loving him and love others. And unfortunately, there are those who are missing the mark that God has drawn for us in his word about admonishing words of warning by somehow thinking it is their job just to tell others the hard truth. You know what? They need to hear it. If they don't accept it, then that's on them. It's not on me. I did my part. I can wash my hands of it. You know what? That didn't work for Pilate. And it doesn't work for Christians who have been called for more in speaking to others out of love. I want you to think about it because you may be thinking, well, I'm not sure I really (laughs) agree with that. Well, think about it this way. How many people out of love would say, you know, the other day my kid was playing in traffic again. I did the right thing. I mean, they got him out of there. And I spoke to them directly. I told them the truth that they needed to hear of what was wrong. Why it was wrong, and what was going to happen to them if they continued to play in the street. I laid it all out. I did my part. I walked away, washed my hands of it. So, it's not my problem. What parent would say that out of love? Why do we say that and think that that's love? That all we got to do is just speak the truth and if they don't accept it, wash our hands of it. Love is concerned, not just that that person will hear the truth with their ears and heart, but... Also, that they will respond. The, the, the one way is we just want them to hear it with their ears. Or, you know, actually some people when they're doing this, they don't even care where the person hears them. All they care about is they do their part by saying something. Even though the person didn't even hear them. Wait a minute, I didn't have my hearing aids in. You know, I can say that because I wear them. Okay? But, but are they hearing with their heart and are they Responding. If we truly love them, we don't want to just say, well, I told them not to play in the street. Love is concerned and thinks through what is the best way to accomplish even in serious circumstances. See, there is a difference between those who speak the truth and those who speak the truth in love. There is a big difference. By the way, Ephesians 4.15 says that. That's not in your notes. But there's another side to this besides those who are not speaking out of love. See, the other side is there are those who are not speaking. Not speaking the truth when it is needed. And really, by definition, that's not really out of love either. For some reason, we think... That love does not say the hard things. That love does not confront others. That love does not disagree with them. And especially for some, love does not point out sin in their life. Yet we read places like Proverbs chapter 27. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. We see here, don't hide our love by our silence. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Don't hide our love by our silence. And secondly, don't join the enemy by just making people feel fine with the appearance of love. Sometimes love may have to say something that's hard. Sometimes. We'll talk about in the future here, but when, but the purpose of our exhortation, our admonishment is out of love for them. Hebrews chapter three, verse 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Why? Why speak this way beyond encouragement so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? It really is our concern. We're told to do this to one another because of sin. It's not hard to think about going and speaking to someone out of love when we're giving them encouragement, right? But somehow when we're going to warn them, admonish them, when we're talking about sin, we we make up these excuses that, Well, we we don't want to say anything to someone because of love. It's okay to positively lift lift someone up. But if you love them, we're told, you just go along with whatever makes that person happy. Let them do you and you, let them do them, sorry. Let them do them and you do you. It's none of my business what they're doing especially if they're not hurting anyone. Although that's really rarely true. Yet we are commanded to admonish one another. For all that matters, we are commanded to a love that is not just some feeling, but it is faith in action to speak to one another's lives. It it would be like a youth youth coming and saying, uh, you know what I want to do in life? What I want to do in life is drive. I was born to drive. Of course, your first thought as they're saying that is you think back to the time where you thought you were gonna die while you were drive while they were driving on the turnpike ride at Kennywood. <laughs> Amusement park with that little metal thing, safety metal bar in the so the car doesn't go anywhere and you thought you were gonna die. But you know. They say they were born to drive. You keep your mouth shut in that moment because it's not going to be helpful to say something. It is in part your opinion. And there is a chance, and more than likely, especially if you help, there's a chance that they could actually be good at driving. So you don't say anything. And so in your mind, this is all happening very quick, you're thinking of how to respond back to this born to drive how to respond back to this in an encouraging way but they but they go on and say i was born to drive fast and and, and, and i was really i mean when i think about it, i was born to drive fast and and i found an opportunity that just came up they they came to me about this i found this opportunity to really live my calling by being a getaway driver for rank bank robbers. And, oh, but, but, but before you say anything, I just want you to know, I'm not going to be carrying a gun, and so I'm not, what I'm doing is not hurting anyone. But if you try to speak to them, if you question the wisdom about this decision... According to some's definition of love, they would reply back, well, why can't you be happy for me for once? Why can't you support what I really want to do? To be able to live out my calling. After all, you're the one who said I should get off the couch and do something. You obviously don't love me. So for those who are on this love definition, it means never asking questions or questioning or even challenging someone in what they're saying or doing. You just need to be supportive, to agree with them, to encourage them in in what they're doing. Okay, okay, I'll be praying that you can be the best getaway driver there is. No, I won't. Right? That's not the truth in love. Our affirmation for someone should be not in who they think they should be. Our affirming them should not be in who we think they should be either. That causes problems. Our affirmation should be in who God thinks they should be. Who God wants them to be. I cannot be supportive for something that God does not support. But I can still love and And care for that person just like God still loves and cares for them. That does not excuse us for being mean spirited, hateful, and in general ceasing to actually love as God does because we got to stand for the truth, but we never embrace love. The God who gave his one and only Son to die for us while we were still sinners so that we would not keep living in a way that we think is right that leads to death as Proverbs 14 tells us. We need to watch that we do not tear down a person because of the problems that we can't support. But in the same way, I cannot build up someone in a way that takes them farther away from God. And what he wants for their lives, according to his word. Out of love, there comes times where we need to speak more than just encouragement, but we need exhortation, we need admonishment, and at times even something beyond that. And I say that obviously being done in the right way, which we will talk about. We speak to them out of a loving concern, not just because of the consequences here on earth, but as well in heaven that God has told us about. Whether they believe it or not, it does not change what both our head and our heart know is true. Consequences, by the way, that oftentimes are not just upon the individual because of their actions or the direction they're taking, but consequences that actually affect other people's lives around them. But we don't say anything. There are times, whether we want to or not, whether we are comfortable with it, whether we are afraid of what they will say or do, that we need to speak words of admonishment because we love them. More than we love ourselves because we recognize the stakes are too high to remain silent. James chapter 5, verse 20. By the way, this is not in your notes. You may want to jot that down. James chapter 5, verse 20 says this. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is not just something God does. He's saying this is to us. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over multitude of sins. We believe God's word. I know that we can get criticized for this and sometimes it's deserved. Sometimes the criticism of Christians regarding this kind of stuff is deserved because we're not living out a Christ-honoring relationship that involves really love as we're talking with people, as we're dealing with people. And we'll look more, like I said, next week, but... Speaking up, trying to help someone, to see where they're headed. Often they don't see things the same way we do. And, and for those who maybe are, are thinking that, that are, are, are not with me in this, and, and you're just thinking, I just, I just want you to take a moment and to look at it from our point of view. It says that we believe that God's Word is the absolute truth. And we believe that that truth should have meaning and application in our life, that we need to do something about it, and that we are accountable before God. And thus, out of love for Him and for others, we need to say something. It's not about controlling. I mean, obviously, again, there are those who are doing that. It's not about telling people what to do. It's about a love for God and a love for them. Think of it this way. If you see someone running towards the edge of a cliff, and either they don't see the edge or they don't realize that it drops off, or perhaps they just don't care, And unfortunately, that's true sometimes and kind of a self-destructive behavior. Surely we say something as they get closer and closer to the edge. The the more stronger our warning becomes, not because we're trying to uh, control them, but because we care, even in times where we don't want to. We don't want to be bothered or we don't want to get involved. We don't want to upset them. We don't want to tell them what to do. But there is a line somewhere that we recognize we have to speak up because this person is about to get hurt badly, even if they don't know that. Even if we don't have a sense, even if we don't know a particular person, we don't have a sense that we love them, but we see them running towards the edge of a cliff, won't we say something? At least yell, hey! So how much more would we do that for someone that we do know, that we do love and care about? Out of love. Or who would say before they go off the cliff, I do love them, but I just don't feel comfortable saying something. In other words, we feel comfortable sitting back and watching their life fall apart and spiritually fall away. Here's the thing. According to God's word, the edge of the cliff is real, so to speak. Can you see someone that's there? 1 John chapter 3, verse 6 specifically, but I uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and read the. A few more verses in there. You may want to turn there. First John chapter 3. Verse 6. As we're talking about the edge of the cliff here. No one who lives in him. This is speaking to Christians. No one who lives in him. Keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin. Has either seen him or known him. Dear children. Do not. because God's seed remains in Him. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. This begins by talking about someone who has continued in sin. Not someone who trips or slips, but someone who is just Going down that path. Things had gotten so bad for an individual in the Corinthian church that Paul talks about an admonishing, not just him, but admonishing them of what they needed to do to lead him to repentance in 1 Corinthians 5. And lead him to repentance so that, he says there in verse 5, so that he, this man, might be saved on the day of the Lord. So that he might be saved on the day of the Lord, this man that is in their midst, in their church. The cliff is real. Matthew chapter 18 and it gives us kind of a pattern here, but it starts with, if your brother or sister sins, going, going, should be a comma, point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. This is our responsibility. And to win them over, to help them off of the cliff, to speak them out of love with the goal that they would be restored. Now I know that there are are, are some that are going to minimize all that I've just said about the whole cliff thing you know is a uh, the person in my life that's kind of going they're not in any imminent danger i don't think things are really that bad uh they're not at at the worst they're headed down the wrong road i you know i I don't think they're heading towards a cliff so i'm not going to get all you know yelling and admonishing i don't think we need to go to admonishing Uh, they're just heading down the wrong road But here's the thing that Jesus said about roads. There's only two. There's a narrow road and there's a wide road. There's a road that leads to life and there's a road that leads to destruction. To death. So while they may not be down that far, they may not be that far off, just be taking a detour right now. And that way on that road, we still got to say something because there's only two roads. Again, God's Word tells us we need to say something. Each one to another. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. I just think a lot of these are just so clear. I don't know how you look at it any differently. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may be—you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love. This way you fulfill the law of Christ. You're speaking to them out of love, is about restoration. Not condemnation. We're speaking to them out of love, not just our love, but on behalf of God, out of his love that he wants them to draw nearer to himself. There's more here. We'll continue to look at First Thessalonians five, but just back to our original text that we started. First Thessalonians five, verse 19. Do not put out the spirit's fire. Do not quench, do not stifle the Spirit of God. Obviously, a lot of times we say that in general, but part of the context here was that you were supposed to admonish. You were supposed to, in verse 14, admonish those who are out, encourage the timid, help the weak, all of those things. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not quench the Spirit. We have a choice to either join the Holy Spirit in what He wants to do In that person's life, or to quench, put out, pour cold water on what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And that can be done from either side, from either the far right that says, I am right and they are wrong, or the far left that would just leave them as they are, instead of going right down the middle of God's Word that says we can go to someone in a way that loves them. Not to go to to someone in some... uh, Some people go in a very fiery kind of way when they go talk to someone. I'm going to admonish them. I'm going to bring the heat. Except usually it's a fire that comes from our flesh. And that fire that is as we're talking to the person that is coming from our flesh, quenches the fire of the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do. And that fire that is coming from our flesh hardens them more and does not soften. There are those who are not joining what God wants to do, I, I, by not being too harsh. I, I don't want to be too and we should. It may be a hard thing, but it's not something harsh. But those not joining God by not speaking those hard things. Let's just skip admonishment, they would say. I'll just give them a pat on the back. I'll just encourage them. But again, that's the opposite message at times of what the Holy Spirit is trying to break through in their life. But when you, a fellow believer in Christ, is coming, like, just and hey, it's okay, no big deal, no problem, and the Holy Spirit is trying to break through in something so much more, we are quenching the Spirit of God and His work and what He wants to do in that person's life that we care about. And now, I know someone could try to argue, well, but, but, Pastor, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. And so when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, we don't, we don't need, God doesn't need our help. We don't need to say anything. You know what? God doesn't need our help. But for some reason, he's chosen and commanded our help. In ministering to our brothers and sisters in Christ by admonishing one another, where I've shown the scriptures again and again this morning. So out of love, we speak in love. We know the need. Some may want to wait. I, I'm just going to say this as kind of a throw some possible wisdom here. Some of you who God is speaking to you about this may want to wait before you rush out and apply this admonishing of someone. Before God actually helps to apply it in your life. Or before you hear the next message that helps to explain a little bit more of how. But as God's speaking to you about who you want to, you need to do this with, you should begin praying, even right now. Praying for that time to open up to speak to them. I ask that the worship team would come. You know, as we get ready for communion here, communion, the the bread and the cup, reminds us of God's love. It reminds us of how much He loves us. It reminds us of how far Jesus went to show us that love. And it's not just that these communion elements show, oh, how He loves me. This communion here is reminding me, oh, how he loves you. And st- as we do this today, we recognize that we're not taking communion alone. we have told to take it together as a one body. And that this moment is not just private between us and God, but it is corporate. Together. God loves not just me, He loves you, and He wants to see you walking in love with Him. If Jesus' love was willing to pay the ultimate price, if He was willing to be falsely accused and beaten and mocked and crucified and left by others, can we, out of love for others, Trying to follow his example, at least be uncomfortable. Be willing, maybe, for somebody to be upset with us. To avoid us. I mean, when we think of what Jesus did out of love, what is the worst that could happen to us? But I'd rather not think of it that way. I'd rather think, if we just say something... Out of love, and we've got to do it in the right way. But if we just say something out of love, what's the best that could happen? I've seen it. And it really is the best. Father, I pray that you'd help us in this moment to consider how much you've loved us even in spite of our failures, messing up our sin, and that we love those around us, even in their failure and their sin, but we love them enough to help, to reach out, to speak into their lives, not just because it's, a nice thing to do, but because that's what you've called us, that's what you've commanded us to do, help us to grasp this this morning so that in such a way, as we talk to one another on occasion that where it needs to go beyond encouragement, that it won't seem weird, we're not going to be offended because we just want to speak the truth and love to one another and help each other. Lord, I pray for those even right now before we get ready to partake of communion that maybe there are some that are here that they don't need someone to come to them right now and exhort or admonish them. Rather, you, Holy Spirit, are already doing that. And we're going to hurry right now. And we know that we need to examine ourselves before we take of communion or else we bring sickness, even death upon us. We need to get right before you, so Lord, I pray for those right now that need that. Perhaps they just need to come to the altar before you, make the altar where they're at at the seat, and surrender all. Or more moving.